The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Futures are set up for another gain as the president uh, says the stimulus talks he called off on Tuesday are going well adds that he'll quit next week's uh, debate, which is now slated to be virtual as he recovers from COVID. Futures, you can see there, uh, jobless claims 840,000 today. Our roadmap begins with what else? Stimulus optimism. Pelosi and Mnuchin are set to speak again. Airline stocks are up. Plus the race for a cure and treatment for the coronavirus. Shares of Regeneron and Eli Lilly are both rallying. These companies are both asking the FDA for emergency use approval for their antibody therapies. And speaking of surging, take a look at shares of IBM this morning, moving up on plans to spin off its IT infrastructure unit, focus on the cloud business. CEO Arvind Krishna and Executive Chair Ginny Rometty will both join us first to discuss this historic move for the company. Carl. Hey, Jim, uh, we are awash in headlines from the president uh, after this 55-minute interview, but buried in there are discussions about the progress of stimulus talks and emergency approval for the likes of uh, Lilly and Regeneron. Look, I, I, I think that there's a narrative that we're going to start hearing, and it was the president's narrative, he voiced it on us, which is that there's a cure. Uh, now, I know that uh, if you're George Yankopoulos or if you're uh, Lance Leifer or Regeneron, you don't really want to hear that it's a cure. Uh, you want to hear that it's something that's part of a cocktail of things that you need to be done in order to get it so you can get out of the hospital. And the reason I want to say it's a cure is because, well, it, it may not be a cure for everybody, and it just happened to work very well for the president. And he also had lots of other, he had great care, he had lots of other drugs, maybe even some plasma, steroid. They haven't even really told us what was really in the cocktail that he had. But you know what? He creates a, a level of optimism, Carl. And uh, when you talk about the stimulus talks being back on and, and you're not name-calling, well, I mean, David, I mean, something could happen just because there's kind of like a, a, a moment of good feeling, just a moment of good feeling because of the president's, uh, I'd say, his health. Um, wh- where are we on the stimulus talks? I mean, again, uh, 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 Carl, Carl, you referenced this very long interview. I don't know if it's ended yet. That's been going on on the Fox Business Network. I guess we have to say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Has he said yeah. what has he said specifically about it, Carl, if, if anything? Because I know there's been a lot of other things, including that he's not going to debate, not going to participate in the virtual debate. But um, I would love to get updated on that. And but Jim, as well, I, I don't know what you can believe and not believe. Well, I think one thing that we've learned is that any time that we get close, the rug's pulled out. Uh, so people who are buying this market on the idea that there will be stimulus, I think you should just get your hopes up that maybe there'll be something for the airlines. Uh, when you see the, uh, the president's going to be trumpeting how strong the economy is, same time you don't ask for stimulus, but you do it for targeted. Uh, I think that's what's far more important is this notion that we're in stage two now of COVID which is stage one was uh, throw everything at it. We don't know what works. Stage two is we actually know what works. 
uh, and we have something and let's see if they can make it fast enough and big enough. Uh, and that because it is a complex uh, structure. Yeah, manufacturing that stuff is not easy. It's not complex. like manufacturing a pill. Right. And I think that there's a it, we can't be glib about this, David. I mean, no. this is not like we came out with a polio vaccine and tomorrow everyone's going to go to a high school where they are live and we're all going to eat a sugar cube. And that's the end. It's not like that. And I feel like that the president's created false expectation, David, even though it is pretty good. You don't think so? No. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, Jim, to your point, he's uh, uh, I mean, these are still treatments that you need to get in the hospital. Uh, he happened to have been flown there in a helicopter uh, and got the best care in the world and didn't have to pay for it because it was taxpayer funded. So, I mean, the the to equalize that with the experience that most Americans hope to get is probably premature. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I mean, we're tested on Wednesdays here at CNBC and George Yankopoulos. And look, I said it on air, so it's not like it's some private conversation. He said, listen, Jim, if you test positive, then immediately you should be put on the Regeneron regimen. Uh, that's what should happen to you. But that's a perfect world. Now, the president happens to live in a perfect world, David. Yes, he does. And this is obviously only was available to a handful of people outside of the trials that are ongoing for that Regeneron antibody cocktail. And maybe I mean, you would have gotten handful. the maybe And you as would've we gotten said many placebo, times, David. he's probably one of the only people in the world, maybe the only one who was treated with all these different things right. uh, for, for, for the virus. Which, by the way, uh, new cases yesterday, 52,635. That's a big jump. And 994 deaths. So we're still living with, and unfortunately people are still dying with this virus, Jim. Well, that's a, that, that, those numbers aren't good versus where we thought we were. No. They are not. Um, and I know that the uh, Shep last night was talking about the stadium full of people. Uh, it's incredible that the NFL is frantically trying to get their players. They're testing them now, according to Bioreference Labs last night, Carl. They're now they test them seven days a week. Why seven? Well, some of it's because they were shocked at what happened with the Tennessee Titans. But some of it is just to say, hey, guys, we're going to catch it. You know, don't you go playing around. Don't you go fooling around. And yet then we open a stadium to 62,000 people who I'm sure are able to have some beer. I, I, I don't know. I mean, we're really right. got we've got uh, so many different standards in this country. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very true. And by the way, NFL Network this morning, a few moments ago, said that another Titans player uh, has tested positive. My question for you, Jim, is why some of the biotech names are going higher when the president's made it pretty clear this that at least this particular cocktail is going to be free. Uh, that, that is a great mystery to me, because uh, these are major grants that BARDA or Warp Speed gave to these companies. And they're, I mean, I was telling people on Twitter, please don't buy Regeneron today. Uh, I think Regeneron is an amazing company. I've been recommending it since five. But when you, you don't make a lot of money on a product that you sell for free. I mean, this is something I learned in the restaurant business. <laughs> don't sell things for free because at the end of the day, you don't make any money. And, and I think that, remember, they did get, they did make money, Carl. They got paid by the government. But that's not what uh, th- this is not like that they're suddenly making Umira, uh, the greatest selling drug of all time, or they're, they're not making Keytruda from Merck. I mean, you, you want to maybe think more about Regeneron because it's got good science. That's fine. But it's really Dupixent. It's their drug that's for uh, all sorts of different ailments involving inflammation that, that I think is far more important to owning the stock. And that's not that's why I asked George Jankopoulos to come back on the show today. If only just to talk about what Regeneron really has that makes money, not just this. So the people don't just go buy it. Because of something that they saw the president say, hey, I feel dynamite. Remember, David, it was very, very interesting because he took a Regeneron. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He had some Regeneron. Yeah, he did. 
Now, you know it's actually a company, right? It's yes. not like you take some Regeneron. Yeah, you don't take Regeneron. I don't know Regenerons. if it has a name Take two Regenerons, call me in the morning. Just to take a step back, as we know, of course, this morning, what Lilly and Regeneron both have, again, <laughs> applied for this emergency use authorization for their antibody cocktails, which conceivably are going to be very effective and very important. But we still have questions about manufacturing capacity. They still need to be infused, to Jim's point. You get it. you got to find a place to actually go and get somebody to, to, to infuse it into you. Right. Uh, and it's got to be available. Um, meanwhile, we're still waiting. Pfizer, Jim, maybe will be the first out of the gate in terms of the latest um, results from the trials in right. terms of vaccine. Uh, but, you know, it's, we're getting towards mid-October. We've been hoping that we would start to hear a lot of positive news at this point. In fact, even six months ago, we were talking about the possibility of the fall, starting to see some of these things come come to fruition. And perhaps we're getting there. Uh, but nobody's talking about this being able to stem the tide immediately. Well, I mean, remember, this is a really complex thing to test a vaccine. I mean, Carl, what you got to do? First of all, you don't know which arm you have. You don't know if you have the placebo or if you got the real deal. Uh, we want you to go if you trial uh, lead your life normally, which go out, I mean, maybe go to bars, maybe uh, go to a stadium, whatever. But you don't know if you've got the placebo, which would mean that you're putting yourself in jeopardy, or you've got the vaccine. So it's, it, it, it's a kind of a catch-22. Here's the vaccine, but you don't know if you're the real vaccine. Go forth and conquer, but actually you could get sick. So it's not something that's easily given and making people feel like, you know what, I got a winner here. So if, the longer we have these people taking it, the better it is. And that's the opposite of what the president wants. But everybody wants a vaccine now, but we want it tested. And we want people to go out to hot spots. I mean, if I were, if I were in this test right now, I would go find out the 62,000 people that are going to go see the, the dolphins lose and, and just give them, give them, don't, it's out of their own, out of regard for how bad the dolphins are. Let's give them the vaccine, David, not the placebo. Right. Well, meanwhile, Carl, uh, happy to say we got a lot of business news to get to this morning, and we're going to start doing that, aren't we? Uh, not just IBM, of course. We got this Morgan Stanley deal by Eaton Vance, and a lot of other things to go through. So, thankful at least another 50 minutes left in this hour to talk business. <laughs> uh, you're absolutely right, David. We'll get to Morgan Stanley, of course. I know you got some stuff on that. Uh, we'll watch uh, a lot of banking news, the IBM news, Costco, McDonald comps, and a div hike. Futures are green. We're back in a moment. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. When you bring out value, people like it. IBM shares are soaring and plans to spin off its infrastructure unit and focus on the fast-growing cloud business. Joining us now, first on CNBC, IBM CEO Arvind Krishna and Executive Chair Ginny Rometty. Great to see both of you on Talk on the Street. Thank you for coming on. A pleasure to be here, Jim. All yes. right. 
And, and even, Jim, before we get started, safety first. We both had multiple tests to be sitting together. <laughs> All right. You know that when someone's in the control room said they're next to each other, I said, do they have masks? I'm glad you brought that up. We can now go forward. And thank you for doing that. We want people to think like that. Ginny, uh, you come back for this one, and it's very special. So I want to give you the floor because you uh, were with Arvin, bought Red Hat to put this in motion. How do you feel about breaking uh, something up that basically was yours into two companies? Oh, well, well, first off, I feel very good about today because what it really is, is it's a bookend to me of a multi-year journey that we've been on together. And as you know, we spent a number of years building the foundation for the hybrid cloud. Jim, you and David and others have been with me along this way. And then two years ago was Red Hat. And the important notion is that what happened with Red Hat, we really got confidence because we saw great adoption and it accelerated. So. IBM as the hybrid cloud company, the AI company, is really, really there. And so with that confidence, that gives me this great, really great confidence now. And so, so it's two things. It's one, it's the acceleration of Red Hat and the acceptance of our open hybrid cloud platform. And then at the same time, what has happened, we've been watching carefully, we can see how some buying patterns are changing with our clients. And so they buy application modernization, digital transformation on one side, and separately infrastructure services. And if you think about it, the two companies, IBM is a digital transformation company, application modernization. And you think about this, the new company, Nuco, to have a name at a later date, is a $19 billion great company on infrastructure modernization. So I think this is a wonderful bookend to this journey, and it's a great, really, beginning for the company to now become a growth company. So, Arvin, I know that you were the architect of the, Red, of the Red Hat deal. I wanted to get a sense of the dividend, because I want a high-growth company, and I want a company that throws off cash. You talk about the idea in the spin that the dividends could be remain, remain the same, but why shouldn't you just put uh, pure growth on the, on the new comp- on the old company that is now the new company and, and put the manufactured infrastructure, just give that all the dividend, put the, give, give the cash flow to the growth company, give a big dividend to the slower company. Isn't that what we really want? <laughs> Look, Jim, uh, the dividend has to be appropriate based on the EBITDAs of the companies. Uh, we have committed that both are going to have investment-grade balance sheets, and both are going to attract investors with an appropriate dividend policy. As, uh, as um, our CFO, Jim Kavanaugh, stated on the investor call, um, we are committed to have a combined dividend no less than the pre-spin dividend. And at IBM, we are committed to a sustainable and growing dividend policy over time, which has been consistent with our background. But to your point of growth, if I could, we have looked at this, and it's a trillion-dollar total addressable market for IBM going forward. We are maniacally focused on hybrid cloud and AI. We believe that we can deliver strong growth with the company, with the financial flexibility that we will create through this transaction for the company to be able to grow. And that's what I'm committed to. I'm committed to uh, sustainable growth and accelerating growth over time on those uh, opportunities. By the way, we have seen it on Red Hat over the past uh, year and a half. We took them from low teens of growth to the high teens of growth. We tripled the customer base on the hybrid cloud platform from around 800 to over 2,400. We are doubling the number of large deals. So I feel mm-hmm. pretty good about the base we have built and then our ability to double down on investments, both organic and inorganic going forward. Okay, but Arvind, what is the path to sustainable mid-single-digit revenue growth 
for Remainco. I don't know how you get there. <laughs> so, Jim, I think you'll agree that Red Hat is growing. If I look at the past uh, year and a quarter we have had them, we've been growing at close to 20%. So if you imagine a business of that size growing 20%, that goes and contributes some couple of percent to the overall growth of the company. Two, our software business, where we're going to increase both organic R&D investment as well as acquisitions, will contribute the next layer of growth. Three, when I use the word ecosystem, we are going to grow businesses that are going to be measured in the hundreds of millions, maybe the low billions, with a few big partners. You heard us announce new partnerships with Adobe. You heard us announce increased partnerships with uh, Salesforce, including some of the other uh, big cloud players, etc. As we extend those number, as well as get others onto our financial services cloud, etc., that ecosystem will drive a third layer of growth. And fourth, as our uh, global business services team spends added uh, money to both grow their skills as well as make acquisitions to get into these new areas and together with these other partnerships that will allow them to grow. So those are the four uh, elements of growth that then contribute to that um, overall growth going forward. Jenny, uh, you know, you, uh, at the end of the year going to be stepping down I believe as exec chairman as well. Um, it's been a long road. I remember when you abandoned the roadmap many years ago that you inherited uh, and the many different decisions you've made along the way. Why should shareholders feel good about where you, as you exit, leave this company after all the changes that have been made during your tenure as both CEO and now exec chair? Yeah, David, thank you. Because, And I remember you came out here for that day when we made that announcement. And it was really the beginning of the time that we had to refocus the company on cloud and data and build an enduring technology platform for its future. And that's what we did. It was a, a long road, I have to agree with you. And we had, as you know, many divestitures along the way to fuel it. And then many acquisitions and organic investments. And then, of course, the big one with Red Hat. But what we have built now and there is data and proof. In fact, Forrester just came out with another report that this is by far the leading hybrid cloud platform out there. This company now has what it deserves, which is a technology platform for its future. So I have great confidence both in the going forward, but I feel really good about the bookend. We did the really heavy lifting, tough work that had to be done to put IBM in its rightful spot. As we said, it's, been, it's built to be a leader. Um, but I also feel really good about the new company. I mean, they are by far 2x the next person out there, and they are going to be a very healthy company. We are leaving them with a very good balance sheet. They've got a blue chip list of clients that are out there. Both do mission critical work. So when I think about the end of my tenure, this is two great market leading companies, and the IBM company is the digital transformation partner and the leading hybrid cloud company in the world. So I feel good about that. Work, though, we know still to be done, so still more to happen. And, you know, we've got to do our work and prove it both to our shareholders here now. Yeah. Uh, and, Arvin, that will be up to you to a certain extent. You know, uh, I've interviewed many CEOs in your position where they're making a very significant decision to split a company. And they talk about the focus that will result, uh, the streamlining that will result. But sometimes there are things lost as well shared competency, uh, the ability to sort of have an understanding of things that you may no longer fully understand. I mean, are there any concerns on your part that by splitting this company in the way you are, that, you know, you are taking more risk, in a sense, for the businesses that will be inherited by both shareholder bases? 
Uh, so, David, I would tell you that I do not have any concerns per se. However, having said that there are no concerns, does that mean that there isn't a huge amount of work to be done, a huge amount of execution, hundreds of work streams that we have to worry to mitigate all the things that you described? That's absolutely true. I'm less worried about the, sh about the competencies that we might lose because there are a lot of shared competencies in any case and as we go through the next few months, we'll make sure that both sides get the, their appropriate share of these expertise, whether it's mainframe skills or whether it's uh, cloud skills, etc. So I'm not worried on that side. Of course, we have a lot of common clients, but as Ginny described, both companies are going to be healthy, both companies are going to be on improved growth trajectories, and that gives us the confidence that we don't create any friction on that side. So as we go through this, yes, I'm not concerned. And at the same time, I guess I'm schizophrenic when I say that I'm a, <laughs> I got to make sure that I'm also paranoid about that to make sure that my lack of concerns remains true. Uh, Ginny, I know that we've got uh, to go and we've got to go, but I, I cannot, uh, I got to take advantage of the fact that you're here, Ginny. You uh, impressed and told us very, on, very early on that there's great inequalities in this country and they had to be addressed. And they had to be addressed now, not addressed later. And they had to be addressed by companies, even if it meant that the companies have to spend a lot of time doing it. Uh, and you did it by helping young people throughout the country. Or do you think anyone's catching up to you after what's happened with Black Lives Matter, what's happened with George Floyd? You were a pioneer. Uh, how do you feel about where we are? Well, look, I, I feel, as you do, that economic opportunity, it is the great equalizer for all of this. And so, and post-George Floyd, there are a number of us, Ken Frazier, uh, Ken Chenault, Charles Phillips, myself, actually working on a big coalition with many other great companies to hire a million black employees into the middle class in our companies. And so the work, Jim, that you and I talked about and P-Tech with over 300 schools and almost 200,000 kids coming through, this is now going to get extended and we are going to really target at the black community. And my passion for this just grows because I really believe the private sector has the ability to create a movement and actually I think this could be the greatest mobilization of the private sector for a benefit of society. So uh, stay tuned, more to come. Well, I'm just glad that, look, I'll give you credit for it. You're too humble. You, you, you led this movement, others are picking up for it now. But you were way ahead of everyone else. Ginny Rometty, uh, chairman, uh, chairman, and Thank then you. Arvind Christian, chief executive officer and chief architect, by the way, of the Red Hat deal. Thank you so much for coming on Squawk on the Street. Thank you. Our pleasure, Jim. Call back to you. All right, Jim, great stuff. Uh, we'll take a break here. Futures are green. When we come back, we'll get to some of the calls of the morning, including Snowflake, DraftKings, City, uh, Roku, and more. Don't go away. For more than a decade. Comcast has been committed to bridging the digital divide and connecting millions to affordable high-speed Internet. But the barriers to get connected go well beyond affordability. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to reach millions with digital skills training, resources, and opportunities needed to succeed in a digital world. Project Up, building a future of unlimited possibilities. Learn more at Comcast.com slash Project Up. You seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. 
30 seconds to the opening bell at the NYSE this morning, the NYSC, uh, celebrating its IPO live TV streaming platform, Fubo TV. We'll talk to the CEO later this morning on Squawk Alley at the NASDAQ, celebrating an IPO as well. It's regener- regenerative medicine company, Zio Biologics. Uh, Jim, speaking of streaming platforms, um, Needham goes to Street High 255 on Roku today um, as they uh, continue to look at kind of the dynamic we mentioned yesterday with Netflix, and that is a just a rising installed base. Yeah, that was an interesting piece because you know what they said really sealed uh, the legacy of strength was the Peacock deal. I mean, literally just said that was the one I think they were I think people were afraid, David, that uh, if Roku didn't sign, if Peacock didn't sign with Roku, then Roku would somehow the erosion would begin. But it didn't happen. They're partners. They are. And they, I guess that platform's increasingly got some real power. I mean, you can take a look at, at that stock. Oh. It's just been a great performer. Streaming, of course, is everything these days. We yes. know about that. Uh, Jim, you know, curious on that on that subject, what your thoughts were about this uh, this letter from uh, Dan Loeb's third point to uh, Bob Chapek yesterday, the CEO of Disney, basically saying we want you to uh, capitalize on what they call a transformational opportunity to even get bigger and stronger, faster in direct to consumer by getting rid of your dividend and taking all the money and plowing it into investment in content and the like to make your service even stronger. That being, of course, Disney Plus. I can't be two faced. I mean, that's exactly what I was just urging IBM to do. I mean, don't give the dividend for one part of the company for the new company. Right. But your point on IBM was you're going to have a fast grower and a slow grower. So to make the slow grower more attractive, perhaps, it's a different shareholder base. Exactly. That makes sense to me. What they're saying here is change your shareholder base as an existing company. Well, look, one of the things that I love about Disney, frankly, they have a fabulous CFO. And she raised money when you could raise money. And she has handled every bit of the balance sheet perfectly. So if you have issues with Disney, I think it would certainly not be anything involving cash flow and distribution. I think they're probably one of the best companies on earth in terms of trying to figure out how to handle what money they have in and money going out. And I think you've got to be impressed with her, too. Uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a reach, you have to say. And that's a friendly letter. And, and again, it's hard to imagine any scenario under which Third Point would really try to undertake some sort of a proxy fight there to make their point. They get an audience, perhaps get, way, the, guys, get it out there. Yeah, Carl. Yeah, you know, yesterday Gavin Newsom in California said he was in no hurry to reopen Disneyland. And Disney Parks uh, does have a statement overnight. We absolutely reject the suggestion that reopening Disneyland is incompatible with a health-first approach. Uh, so as much uh, tailwind as they're getting in Florida, Jim, as you mentioned earlier, uh, with the situation right. in Miami and Orlando, uh, California is much different. Yes, it is. I mean, look, Christian McCarthy, when I speak with her, the CFO, she's actually figured out all this stuff and how long. They, you know, they've got plans, contingency plans for if there's nothing that opens next year. Um, but and I look, I with all due respect to Dan Loeb. I, I think there are a lot of companies I'd like to pick on. I mean, these guys in particular have been hurt by COVID. Well, you know what they need more than anything else in the world? They need a, David, they need to take a Regeneron. They need to yeah. take a couple of Regenerons. Yeah, they do. And get me some of that Regeneron. Yeah, get some Regeneron yeah. on the way in there. And, you, yeah. you know, hey, I'll Feel be better. on a Mr. Toad's Wild Ride in a heartbeat. I know. That and some steroids and you're good to yeah. go. I know. Bob's uh, going to say, Jim, we got rid of that ride a long time ago. Could you focus on whatever? But, uh, yeah, to your point, listen, <laughs> I, I think sometimes these kinds of things are marketing opportunities for the so-called activist in question. We talk about them. Maybe it helps their assets. Uh, I think Third Point's had, you know, they, their, their uh, CIO uh, left, uh, head trader. I mean, they've had some, you know, some things. I think this, the firm is up a bit this year. So 
Yeah, again, I doubt this goes very far, um, but we'll see. And listen, as, as, in the marketplace of ideas, always interesting to discuss ideas like this that they do bring up in this letter uh, that was sent again on October 7th and made public yesterday to uh, Mr. Chapek. Um, we haven't gotten to Morgan Stanley, Neat and Vance. No, what was that? Why have we decided to blacklist that? I don't know. I mean, isn't he coming on with Wilf later today? He, I guess James he Gorman? is. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about James Gorman. That man's on a mission. I'll tell you that. To reinvent and, the company and yeah, not become... Yeah, the E-Trade deal, yeah. what, last week? He um, doesn't want to be Citigroup, right? He's the opposite of Citigroup. Yeah. Opposite of Goldman Sachs to a certain extent in some Both. ways, too. Asset management and... Right. And, uh, um, and retail. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know. What do you think? You don't ask me what I think. I think the I'll tell you about should, the deal. I think the multiple should be a little bit higher. I ask you about what you think about the company. I, well, I think Morgan Stanley's worth about 60 bucks. They have got great cash flow. They've got great numbers. And yet they get the same multiple as a company that it looks like it's going to be slapped down by the Fed any minute. Look at that uh, move and eat in Vance. Again, for everybody out there, it's 28.25 a share in cash. And then it's 0.5833 of, uh, of Morgan Stanley. There you can see it right there on your screen. Uh, that amounted to about 56.50 at the beginning of trading. Uh, Morgan Stanley stock, I think, is, uh, we just saw it, is up, uh, reacting a bit. Uh, actually, I'm not sure I have it open yet. Uh, nope, got it down. So let's call it a $56 deal, but a nice premium for Eaton Vance. Overall, uh, guys, I mean, the potential consolidation in the asset management business, right. particularly That's- active managers, is just going to continue as they fight off. Well, man, they're fighting. I mean, they're losing this war. Well, how about like Nelson Peltz with Invesco and Janus? Right. And that was last sense. week. Nelson Peltz trying, taking his position in significant positions in Invesco and Janice Henderson, trying to get them conceivably to get together. Jim, it does seem as though this is going to be a trend we're going to be seeing. It's already been in place. It's going to continue. Well, you know, when you do screens, well, a lot of people at home should understand there's just these constantly, you do a screen every morning. What are the cheapest stocks? What are the cheapest stocks? And this Eaton Vance came up. It was the top 10 cheapest stock for ages. And you kept thinking, when is someone going to do something with Eaton Vance and Invesco? And, and finally, uh, Mr. Gorman realizes this thing is worth a lot within his company. I think that Nelson, uh, Nelson is right to push these two, Invesco and Janice, to merge. But I think that they're ripe for the picking. People, they have assets. A lot of them are sticky assets. What about and, some of the bigger platforms? And what do you do, even if you're Fidelity, you know, private, enormous, right. Active management, a key part of their business. What do you do? Yeah. They do love being private. They do. They're private people. Yes, they are. That's a private person. Yes. Very very thoughtful, uh, not seeking the limelight at all. And maybe that's, you know, they just, it's a family run business in the way no, that we is. used to see. But there's a sea change going on in this business. That's, I mean, it's not as though this has started today. This has been going on for years, but. Well, you saw Lloyd Blank final this morning. Uh, I didn't listen. Am I allowed to say that? Wow. Well, I we keep the sound off. Didn't listen. With Lloyd. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Goes way back. David, there's a fly on your head. <laughs> Got it. What are uh, we like? <laughs> <laughs> Mo Larry and Curlier, I just, you kind of cut me short there. I mean, Lloyd is, Lloyd's a big thinker. I, the thing that has trapped Goldman, I believe, and has trapped Gorman, they aren't getting any credit for being transac- transactional houses as opposed to houses that have a huge number of bad loans or have problems. Well, we have to be honest. This Citigroup has become a nightmare of regulation. Yeah, I, I was just thinking, Jim, about all the news we're getting from banks 
ahead of the earnings next week. Obviously, Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan's uh, spending $30 billion uh, today over the next five years uh, to address racial inequality. And then this uh, $400 million fine at Citi, uh, J.P. Morgan goes to neutral, Jim, as they say it's going to take time and money to fix problems and avoid, in their words, becoming a Wells Fargo. I know. Well, it's... When Mike, when Mike Corbett announced his retirement, he actually said this. It was in the release. He said it's going to cost a lot of money. He didn't dodge it. He made it very clear that this is going to happen, which made it so I certainly wouldn't necessarily want, to, want the new you know, the successor to have the new job. But Citi is uh, there to fix. And these regulatory issues, I don't know. They, you have to throw a lot of money at them. It's not like you just need a better compliance head. Uh, now, Wells, uh, Charlie Scharf, there isn't you know, Charlie Scharf laid off some more people yesterday. And, uh, David, you know that Wells, is, the stock has stayed right here. Yes. Which is rather amazing because the headlines have not been that great. No, the news has not been particularly good. It has sort of been able to maintain, let's call it the hundred billion dollar market value. Right. level. But of course, when I hear that, I mean, you think this was one of this was for a while the largest market cap company bank and it bank. lost it lost the uh, Out the support of, of lost, warren buffett it did he still owns some doesn't he? yeah well i shouldn't say i mean he owns but it's yeah. no longer the fair-haired uh bank no so it's bank no. of america no. bank of america stock has kind of held up here for yeah it has yeah. yeah i mean uh but yeah mr buffett it's he's kind of all in with another name uh starts with an a wants well, his biggest position yes by far likes good balance sheet crazily big, big. moat Enormous. He's like it at Dairy Queen. And by the way, 57% gain this year hasn't been too bad for Berkshire either. Well, maybe that's why he's in uh, Snowflake, another value-driven stock, yeah, that's, 100 times sales. That's weird. Frank Slootman. Do you know, Carl, this, think about this. We always heard of Warren Buffett as the champion of value. Vimo, uh, mm-hmm. Snowflake is double the price to sales of Zoom, which was upgraded again. <laughs> Double. So when we thought that Zoom was like 60 times sales, we said, well, wait a second. That's ridiculous. Along comes Snowflake, and he buys more in the—it's apparent they bought some more in the open market, Warren. So you, yeah. the second biggest share was more spending off. I don't know if Mark still owns a lot. I asked him directly and kind of didn't. It's really interesting. Atlantic today, right. uh, Jim, we got in a bunch of initiations yes. this morning, but Atlantic does initiate snow underweight. Uh, valuation, discounting perfect execution, which is— Obviously, the debate that's happened ever since that thing went public. I mean, well, you know, they, they say their market cap of about 90 billion when you include stock options is above its aggressively defined total addressable market. I know that was odd. <laughs> but, you know, just getting a perfect execution. Now, the one thing that you need to know about Frank Slootman, I've known Frank for a long time, is that he will deliver perfect execution or else. I mean, that's the way it is. If you ever read any of his notes, he is about giving all out. You can do what you want and charity, whatever, when you're done with him, uh, when you're done working. But, you know, Frank is a cot guy. And you are the cot, Dave, you know what a cot guy is, right? Yeah. Sleeps in a cot in the, in the office. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's my kind of guy. Slutman makes Belichick look like, a, look like a teddy bear. Really? I'm not kidding. Belichick's a teddy bear. He's a sweetie guy Oof. compared to Slutman. Man. Yeah, I'm not kidding. That scares me. I wouldn't yeah. want to work for him. No, no. Belichick would be scared of of Slootman. Uh, honestly, he was. If, right. Slu- I can see Slootman saying, I want, you to, I want you in a suit here right now. And Belichick showing up with something from Mo Ginsburg. Remember Mo? Yeah, I do. I do. There's a lot of stores that I think we all will remember, unfortunately, that are no longer going to be, uh, yeah. be on David, our streets. Remember Brooks Brothers still open? Yeah. A couple. Neiman is still open, but you know, yeah. shadow of their former selves. David. Shadow is being kind. Tapestry. 
Yeah. Dave, where did you buy your jeans? But speaking of, uh, consu- <laughs> Go speaking ahead, of consumer names, Jim, we've gotten a lot of comps over the last uh, 18 hours. Costco, 16.7, oh. amazing number. Uh, Domino's, 17.5, although this is for the quarter, although costs have been an issue there this morning if you look at this, the price action. And then McDonald's, Jim, Q4 comps in the U.S., 4.6, and they're talking maybe double digits in September as it seems like every other headline on Twitter involves this Travis Scott new menu. Oh, my. And you, but you know, all these stocks are down. Now, see, I want people to step back for a second and say, oh, uh, none of these should be bought. Actually, all of them should be bought. I have Domino's on tonight. It was an amazing quarter. The cost being higher, well, that's just someone trying to find out some nitpicking. The company's doing incredibly well. We'll spend a lot of money on contactless. It's easy. McDonald's, these new, bre- these new me- meals... I mean, I tried to get him to send us some this morning, David. I've been on the phone to McDonald's trying to get because the, the new, bre- the new uh, desserts are, are absolutely incredible. And Costco, will you give me a break? That stock should be up 10. That's how amazing that quarter, that month was. Up 10. And it's food, outdoor. It's amazing. David, it's amazing. You don't know Costco. It's, a, it's called a big box. Yeah, that's what I understand. I have been in uh, one, Carl. With, uh, with Senegal, when I visited with him once, we walked around. So I think it's the only time I actually was in one. Well, it's the only way you get in. You probably don't even have a card. I don't. <laughs> I don't. But turn it into your 3A card. You have and it's un-American, right, not to have a Costco card? Kind of. Yeah. Sorry. Carl? Uh, guys, watching the markets here pretty steady. Dow's up 73. S&P back to 34.28. Inter- inter- interesting in terms of levels. Let's get to Bob Pisani, Bob. And uh, one month high on the S&P and another decent start to today. Not a huge pop up, but we had seven to one advancing the declining stocks at the open. And that's what you want to see. Uh, equal weight uh, S&P 500s outperforming uh, the uh, the big cap S&P 500, uh, the market cap S&P 500. Take a look at sectors. We continue to get this belief that there's going to be some kind of modest cyclical rally. This has been going on for a few days now. Materials, energy, banks doing a little bit better. Tech holding up OK, but more defensive sectors, utilities and consumer staples generally have been lagging the, the markets here. Uh, there is this sort of hopium out there about some post-election stimulus. A lot of people think uh, it's a little bit illusory, but the market's buying modestly into the idea here. There may not be a stimulus package that's going to happen, but the street certainly believes something's going to happen with an a la carte menu, particularly on airlines. Again today, look at the airlines. They're, they're all up another 2% or so, United and that, that whole crowd up there nicely. And this is part of a mini rally that's going on in the airlines. They believe some kind of package is going to come. If you just look at the month-to-date numbers uh, here, uh, JetBlue's up 10% this month. Uh, American. Look at this the last uh, few days here. So there's some belief that there is some kind of relief coming for the airline industry. Elsewhere, I'm excited about earnings season starting because the early signs are really good. Overnight, we had some pre-announcements. McDonald pre-announced uh, strong U.S. comps up 4.3%. The street was in the low single digits, up modestly here. But remember, McDonald's is right near historic high, so don't expect too much there. Samsung pre-announced earnings well above expectations. Not a lot of details here, but uh, apparently they benefited from all the Huawei problems that are out there. The ban on selling you know, chips made to U.S. technology to Huawei kicked in last month. That benefits Samsung. And, of course, Apple delayed the iPhone a little bit, so that benefits Samsung as as well here, but they announced very good numbers overall. If you look at the numbers for the third quarter, on Monday there were 18 companies that are already part of the third quarter. Uh, they beat by huge numbers. 
The average beat was 27% of these 18 companies. Historically, I keep saying the average company beats about 3, 4, 5%. These are enormous beats. Again, they're underestimating the numbers for the analysts here. And as a result, most of the companies have had their fourth quarter numbers raised, not third quarter, fourth quarter numbers raised. If that trend continues, that is the most supportive thing you could find for the stock market right now, seeing those earnings numbers come up. Uh, the guys were talking about Morgan Stanley buying Eaton Vance. This is a very interesting what's been going on here. Here. And you can see all these financial services companies moving up, uh, Janus and Invesco. Of course, Nelson Peltz announced an investment there. They're moving. But the whole complex is moving. And it's very simple. There's two things going on here driving the consolidation. First, every day we talk about fee wars, the ETFs. They're cheaper alternatives. They have lower fees. That's cutting into the business overall. And there's an overall need for more assets under management. So remember, when you have more fees, you get more company, more assets under management, you get more fees. Those fees are recurring revenues. Those recurring revenues command a higher multiple. And that's the case, I think, with the IBM deal as well. Guys, back to you. All right, Bob. Thanks. We'll see you in a little while. We've got at least five Fed speakers on the tape today. Let's get to Rick Santelli. Yes, good morning, Carl. Well, five Fed speakers, but I'd be willing to wager that we're not going to be five times smarter at the end of the day. The big story with the Fed continues to be what guidance will be in the future. And what that code for is, are they going to continue quantitative easing at $120 billion per month, 80 in treasuries, 40 in mortgage securities? Because many traders, of course, feel as though ultimately they have to start easing off a bit. That's a big deal. Look at an intraday of 10s. You know, we really didn't do much on claims. And as you look at a two-day, most of those pops, matter of fact, all the pops to the upside yield have been more focused on the president's comments regarding stimulus, skinny, fat, select, however it turns out. And the market is optimistic, as Bob pointed out. Look at the HYG ETF since March. Boy, you talk about shaking all the volatility out. Once the Fed moved into that space, volatility moved out. Two weeks of the dollar index, we're losing volatility in that uh, currency uh, trade as well. And most of that loss of volatility really emanates from the relationship with the euro. Both of those have flattened out a bit. Here's one chart that hasn't flattened out, though, whether it's leadership or a really dynamic five-year note auction in Japanese government bonds. The yen against the dollar now trading at a one-month high. Carl Jim David, back to you. Was a little bit later as well. Still to come today, uh, the push for that standalone airline aid bill. We'll talk with American Airlines CEO Doug Parker exclusively as shares of American just a few cents away this morning from a three week high. It's been about a week since uh, Palantir went public, of course, direct listing. You can see um, not bad, uh, doing okay. Well above the reference price, but it's not clear that that meant much of anything. Uh, last week during, deliver, uh, during our Delivering Alpha conference here at uh, CNBC, I asked Robert Smith, he's the man who runs Vista Equity, I asked him whether or not he thinks we're seeing froth in the market overall for initial public offerings, but particularly the software plays, the likes of Snowflake, and even Palantir. Here's what he had to say. There does seem to be some, <laughs> some froth around a lot of IPOs, whether they be uh, direct listings like we're seeing today with Palantir or more traditional ones. There's this demand for public market enterprise software companies, and there just are very few relative to the private market. So I think that trend and that, that, that momentum is going to carry forward for quite some time. If you want the full interview, by the way, you can do so now. Go to DeliveringAlpha.com. We put it all up there, of course. Uh, it wasn't just him, as you saw. Steve Schwarzman from uh, Blackstone. Uh, and uh, the head of the PIF as well. 
His Excellency, Sir Roumain. Jim, I see you sitting there like a Rodin statue. No, I'm sitting. How did I miss this, this uh, agricultural move? What are you talking about? Well, deer, Corteva. I mean, this agricultural move is maybe the great bull market right now. Not, not uh, software. Uh, it's funny you mentioned Corteva. Corteva. You know why that's up? I'm working on it. No, because Jeff Smith recommended it at the Active Passive uh, conference this morning. He did? Yeah. And, wow. Uh, he's going hey, to be my stuff. guest in the next hour. Oh, you tell him I said hi, man. Corteva and On Semiconductor. Well, you asked him about Marvell Technologies, I will. which I have on tonight that he told me to be interested in at 18 bucks. All right. That guy's money. Two names are up. We're going to talk to Jeff he's about money. them. He's money. We're back after this. S&P heat map this morning, once again, uh, largely green. IBM at the top, but uh, peppered in there. A lot of materials, uh, Vulcan, Martin Marietta, Occidental, uh, Lilly, Halliburton, and others. We'll watch that closely with uh, oil at the full uh, 2%. Back in a minute. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. Carl, sometimes it's a real challenge to be able to get an amazing report in just a few slides. And that's what's happened today with the New Street report on Tesla. This is a reinitiation saying a decade of hyper growth ahead, upgrading to buy 578 price target. Wow, there's a lot good in here, but basically they're using that theory. This is the new theory. 20 million cars. That's what they're going to do someday. And well, David, 20 million cars, a lot of cars. That would be. That's a big number. Anyway, that's the excitement of Tesla today. It's been a little, been about 48 hours since it's been in the news. I just put it right at you. I think it goes higher, too. I agree with New Street. All right, yeah. New Street calling it a bit of a, a re-initiation. Yeah. Jim, how about tonight? Well, I said Domino's is good. People don't believe me, but they've been wrong. I've been recommending it since it was $10. Um, and then Marvell. Thank you, uh, Jeff Smith. I had dinner with him, and we were talking, uh, no, with his partner, with his partner. That real smart fellow who's his Feld. partner. Feld. Feld, yeah, yeah. Feld. When uh, Marvell was at 18, and boom, it's uh, more than doubled. And we're going to it's ultimate 5G play. Maybe the best there is. What a show. I got to co- have a couple of Regenerons. <laughs> <There's> a, <laughs> yeah. You got any Regenerons, There's David? A lot today, Jim. Yeah, Last I got a, night, I had a Regeneron I, I, and a floater. I, I, I got a couple what? back on my desk. I'll, I'll give you, you a few. Yeah, I got a bowl. I made a dark and stormy with Regeneron. Yeah. It's not bad. <laughs> we'll see you tonight, Mad Money, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.